0: Hello everyone and welcome to this Archives of Disease and Childhood Fetal and Neonatal Edition podcast. Uh, My name is uh, Jonathan Davis and I am an associate editor and social media editor for uh, the journal. Today we're having a discussion with two of the authors um, who will introduce themselves shortly of a systematic review and meta-analysis on umbilical cord milking in preterm infants. That was the editor's choice in the December issue of ADCFN. So to start off with, I'll just get
1: you to introduce yourselves. So, I'm Dr. Hari Balakrishna Balasuramanya. You know, you can call me Hari. I'm one of the consultant neonatologists at uh, Surya Hospitals, uh, Santa Cruz, in Mumbai. This is one of the largest uh, tertiary level NICU in the Western India, with almost uh, 100 uh, beds of which 30 to 40 beds would be level three.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, I have had a work experience at the King Edward Memorial and the Princess Margaret Hospitals at uh, Perth, Western Australia for a period of four years between 2011 and 2015. And then subsequently I joined uh, Surya Hospitals. Uh, Besides my training in uh, advanced neonatal care, in Western Australia. I have my master's in medical statistics, which I completed with the University of Newcastle.
0: That's that's wonderful. And I believe you have one of your co-authors there with you as well.
2: Myself, uh, Dr. Anita Anantan. Currently, I am called as Anita Haripalakrishna. And uh, myself, I am uh, working as associate professor uh, in the department of uh, neonatal uh, pediatrics in uh, Sages Medical College and uh, King Edward Memorial Hospital Mumbai. This is one of the largest tertiary care uh, municipal uh, hospital, government hospital, and um, I work here for the past uh, five years. Previously, um, I was work. I also uh, worked with my uh, uh, partner, that is Dr. Hari himself, uh, in Perth, and I got trained in neonatology from Perth as well.
0: Okay, well, thank you both very much for um, uh, joining us on the podcast uh, today. We're going to discuss your your systematic review and meta analysis on umbilical cord milking in preterm infants. We mentioned this uh, paper in the uh, previous podcast, uh, where Ben Stenson and I had discussed the, the highlights from the print issue. And I believe this paper is the editor's choice, which means it is uh, open access. Uh, for people to uh download and and engage with so just to get straight into it um what we do with the, the separation of, of babies and mums at birth is seems to be uh, a a point of 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 ongoing research interest and controversy um and your systematic review your meta-analysis certainly adds uh some meat to that that discussion um could you both one, or both of you, just outline the the evidence um, that has got us to this stage. I mean, how did how did we arrive at, at, at this point in in understanding the evidence? Um, uh, and why did you come to choose this topic? And, and really, what has brought
1: us in terms of the evidence to this point? Uh, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, uh, first of all, delayed cord clamping, you know, had already become the standard of care for vigorous term and preterm neonates, uh, particularly the Australian Placental Transfusion Trial and the systematic review by Fogarty et al., which quickly followed up this trial, sh- demonstrated an important survival benefit in premature infants by delayed cord clamping. However, the big question remained was, is it going to be feasible to implement delayed cord clamping in premature infants. Now evidence shows that close to around 60% of the neonates which are born less than 32 weeks of gestation and easily around 90% of of the neonates that are born less than 29 weeks of gestation are going to need resuscitation at birth. So the other option, the umbilical cord milking, which has been explored in previous studies and being touted as uh, A quicker option to allow placental transfusion without interrupting the early initiation of resuscitative efforts. So whether this could could be an equivalent alternative to delayed cord clamping, this has always been an important area of research and interest for practitioners also. The previous studies on umbilical cord milking had uh, shown that it certainly improved short-term outcomes like hemoglobin levels in term and premature infants and it improved hemodynamic stability even in sick premature neonates that needed an ICU care. But this effect was typically shown in very premature or at the most moderately premature infants. Most of the clinical studies were also not powered for important clinical outcomes, important short-term morbidities, and definitely not for the long-term outcomes in uh, premature infants. Also there was an indication from uh, experimental research that rapid increases in blood volume from umbilical cord milking could make these uh, immature brains, especially the extremely premature brains susceptible to intraventricular hemorrhage, severe intraventricular hemorrhage. Previous systematic reviews addressing, specifically addressing umbilical cord milking, they they showed that uh, cord milking certainly reduce the transfusion needs, to an extent, reduce the incidence of uh, oxygen requirement at 36 weeks postmenstrual age, possibly a reduced incidence of intraventricular hemorrhage, and also an indication that it could improve long-term neurodevelopmental outcomes when compared to delayed cord clamping. While the previous systematic reviews uh, included around seven to eight studies, we witnessed, I mean, we observed that Uh, Between 2015 to 2019, there were at least 10 newly published RCTs, clinical trials on umbilical cord milking. So we felt the importance to synthesize this evidence to see if this helps in addressing the knowledge gaps which are currently existing in this important area of research. So that is how we uh, arrived at this Thought to conduct a systematic review focusing on umbilical cord milking in premature infants, and specifically looking at their effects when compared to uh, delayed cord clamping, and also focus focus our uh, focus our observations on important clinical outcomes in neonates rather than the short-term outcomes. Mm-hmm. So, so that that is how we started off with
0: okay and um, the the animal work that you reference uh, is that uh, douglas blank's work from uh, Melbourne, Mil- from melbourne exactly. is that that's what you're referring to yep that was published yes, in this journal in yes. 2018 we'll make sure there's okay. a reference available for people to read that um, so i that's appreciate that that background um so uh, Perhaps, uh, Anitha, you could just explain or outline the the methods that you used um, to to, uh, analyze the the available studies and what you did to arrive at uh, some of your results.
2: Thank you, Jonathan, for the question. So, uh, Coming to the methods, um, we used the uh, guidelines from uh, Cochrane uh, Neonatal Review Group, um, Center for uh, Reviews and Dissemination. And a Prisma statement that is preferred uh, reporting items for systematic reviews and meta-analysis. Uh, we included uh, randomized um, control uh, trials uh, which um, compared umbilical cord milking with uh, delayed or early cord clamping, and uh, the preterm infants who were um, less than 37 weeks of gestation um, were included in our review. We analyzed. Um, uh, two particular groups, one is, uh, intact uh, cord milking versus early cord clamping. Similarly, intact cord milking versus delayed cord clamping because delayed cord clamping is already a published and um, well-known uh, um, topic. And second uh, comparison was uh, cut umbilical cord milking versus early cord clamping. Similarly, cut umbilical cord milking versus delayed cord clamping. Uh, our uh, outcomes included all-cause mortality, Then uh, intraventricular hemorrhage, especially uh, grade 3 and grade 4 hemorrhages. And uh, necrotizing enterocolitis, especially the definite uh, necrotizing enterocolitis. Uh, Then retinopathy of uh, prematurity, which uh, needed treatment, which was emphasized. And periventricular uh, leukomalacia. Then the need for uh, packed red blood cell uh, transfusions. And also other outcomes which uh, we um, found, we analyzed were, uh, the need for phototherapy, uh, the duration of hospital stay for these uh, babies, then uh, patent ductus arteriosus, the presence of PDA in these babies, and also uh, not to forget, uh, we also look for the uh, uh, long-term neurodevelopmental outcomes. And uh, and actually, around 16 RCTs uh, in our um, review, uh, we are having this in that cord milking. And uh, we included studies where uh, cord milking was performed after the cord uh, was clamped and cut. And this uh, was uh, labeled as cut umbilical cord milking. We had around uh, three RCTs where cut umbilical cord milking was included as the uh, interventional.
0: Okay. Th- thank you, Fanta. Um, just to get on to the, the main findings. Um, the one thing that I have, I have observed with your paper is that it is, it is absolutely Packed full of information, it is. It is. It, there's so much information um, that can really help clinicians. So, in order to try and um, try and sort of streamline that a little bit, because um, I think we could, we have a very limited amount of time on the podcast. Um, what would be your sort of highlight main findings um, of your systematic review of meta analysis? And that's obviously not to do a disservice to the wonderful work that you have done, but if you could. Sort of pick out maybe three or four main headlines. What would you like to share with with the people listening to the podcast, are uh, the main findings of your of your systematic review and meta analysis? And I'm happy for either of you to 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 take that
1: answer, although I think you've probably decided who's going to answer it already.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks,
1: Jonathan. So uh, basically, the pre-specified outcomes were separately assessed for both the comparisons which Anita had already described, that was the cord milking versus delayed cord clamping, and the other one being cord milking versus early cord clamping. So when we looked at the first comparison, the most important one, the cord milking versus delayed cord clamping, we found uh, the, the, the only thing which was concerning was that almost twofold increased risk of severe IVH in the cord milking subgroup when compared to delayed cord clamping. Now these findings were quite contradictory to what previous studies and what previous systematic reviews, at least two or three systematic reviews, had reported. So we found that this was primarily attributed to the recently published pre-mod 2 trial by Dr. Kateria and co-authors, which in fact which contributed to almost 50% of the infants included in this comparison. We had around 718 infants for this comparison, the cord milking versus delayed cord clamping, of which easily 474 came from this trial. So this trial had shown that there was a 16% increase in the absolute risk of uh, severe intraventricular hemorrhage in the 23 to 27 week subgroup because mm. of severe IVH and it was basically this study was basically terminated for the same reasons since it picked up a signal of harm. So this was the main finding as far as the first comparison was concerned. The other one, the other comparison being umbilical cord milking versus early cord clamping. In this comparison we found that the only effect that we found was that umbilical cord milking significantly reduced the incidence of packed red cell transfusions. One could easily argue that what's the relevance of this comparison comparing umbilical cord milking with early cord clamping in the current era where we know that delayed cord clamping is the standard of care and early cord clamping is no longer considered physiological. We felt that it was important to even realize that umbilical cord milking did not offer anything in addition to early cord clamping as far as important clinical outcomes were concerned. So we've, and our systematic review also picked up the same finding. So it was important for us to look at both aspects, both the cord milking versus delayed cord clamping and also the cord milking versus early cord clamping to assess, to have an unbiased assessment of the efficacy and safety of cord milking. And the other limitation was None of these studies comparing umbilical cord milking versus early cord uh, clamping had reported on neurodevelopmental outcomes. And only two studies from the delayed cord clamping group had studied long-term neurodevelopment. So even though we started to, we we intended to look at long-term neurodevelopmental outcomes, there was not enough information on this. Okay.
0: So I suppose that, that actually brings me to Sort of uh, my last question in that: What is next in your in your collective view? Um, you mentioned it at one point in in the study that the some of the evidence is of of a lower quality. So, what 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 studies do you think are are now necessary? Do is it still efficacious to do cord milking and look at long term studies, or is there are the short term risks too too great? Um, uh, and and what what should come next in this, in this story of, of of the
1: umbilical cord we we assessed the grade of evidence uh, it was a formal assessment of quality of evidence using the grade recommendations so the quality of the studies were assessed based on the sample size for clinically important outcomes the precision of treatment effect the risk of bias in the individual studies and the consistency of results among the included studies. So based on these factors, we found that the quality of evidence was low for most of the outcomes that were analyzed. Uh, Most studies except the PREMOD-2 trial had sample size of of less than 100 and primarily studied short-term outcomes. Uh, The blinding of participants and outcome assessors was not feasible in most of the studies given the nature of the intervention. Most importantly, there was limited information on extremely low birth weight infants and non-vigorous infants that would need resuscitation, a group which is of importance to study the benefits of any placental transfusion strategies. So the, the other aspect was, though most of the studies had described the technique of cord milking, the studies varied. In the way they had implemented the milking procedure, the number of milking attempts, the speed of milking, the length of the cord that was milked and the overall duration of the milking maneuver. Few studies had also allowed for cord refill uh, between the milking maneuvers. So having a look at the final results and the overall grade of this evidence, we arrived at these results And, and there are a few important implications as to how we take this forward while we did the systematic review there were at least 15 trials we identified at least 15 clinical trials that were ongoing and we had listed that in the supplement also so there's going to be scrutiny there's going to be scrutiny in most of these trials if they are going to include very premature infants and if you're going to talk about mature infants where apparently we think that umbilical cord milking may not cause much harm, it would be important to demonstrate. In fact, the future of umbilical cord milking in that group would be largely dependent on what we find in terms of long-term neurodevelopment when compared to delayed cord clamping. Again, when we looked at, when we see umbilical cord milking, it's most of these studies had included vigorous infants. So the future trials should actually be studying umbilical cord milking in non-vigorous infants. Yeah. Again, the ethic, ethicality, the consent, the issues with crossover, the issues with treatment fidelity, these are going to be important issues in assessing the effect of umbilical cord milking versus delayed cord clamping in such trials. So the conduct of trials is going to be quite challenging. But the end of it, I mean, we all believe, you, I, and Anita, we all believe that it's very important for such trials to measure what they actually intend to intended to measure, what they started out to measure, actually. Mm, yeah. So these are going to be the issues that we need to be addressing. And of course, there are going to be challenges, you know, in these kind of studies and assessment of this placental transfusion strategy. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm very well put. Um, well, thank you. Thank you both very much for a very interesting uh, discussion. Um, uh, uh, as always, uh, the people who are listening to the podcast can interact with the, the podcast by retweeting or commenting on social media via the, the archives Twitter handle, which is at ADC underscore FN uh, and with my own Twitter handle at Jonathan underscore Davis 3. Um, there are details of the authors. Uh, Email addresses on the, the papers, and I'm sure they'd be more than happy to answer any, any of the questions. And um, so, I thank you both very much uh, for the the opportunity. Yeah, thank, thank.
2: you. Thank you. Thank you.